Well, good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here today. Um, I'm Tim Hartman. I teach theology at Columbia Seminary. So I've had the privilege of teaching Mary Beth, Christian Theology 1 and Christian Theology 2, and had that fun experience today of learning how tall she was, because I only taught her on Zoom um, in that year. I also got to teach Shondor um, when he was at Columbia. So it's, um, it's an honor to be here today. And one of the fun things is that Pam Giselle and I were in seminary together. So it was fun when, when she reached out to me. And now, to hear about one of my current challenges, I'm the academic advisor to Drew Ditzel <laughs> for his Doctor of Ministry program. So it's, uh, it's very fun um, to be back with you all today. My family's here with me today. My wife, Sarah Nell, who's also an ordained Presbyterian pastor and a spiritual director and works with the Collide Project. And then two of our three kids are here, the oldest one already being off at camp. So thank you for having me today. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be here today. And Matt, I can take my first slide now, because I also bring you greetings from the, the new president at Columbia Seminary, Victor Aloyo. Victor is just wrapping up his first year with us, and Victor has brought a vision of abundance and grace to Columbia Seminary as we seek to train resilient and imaginative leaders for the sake of the church and the world. And that language of resilience and imagination actually goes back to Stephen Cheryl Hayner, um, which are worth mentioning um, while here at, at Kairos. All right, so today you may have seen that the title of this sermon is Hashtag Blessed. And I wonder if you have any guess how many posts on Instagram use hashtag blessed. I'm not going to make you guess out loud because you're probably not going to get up to 147 million. There's 147 million posts on Instagram, and counting, using the hashtag blessed. So I got some typical screenshots for us to look at for a selection of what society thinks it means to be blessed. Right, so this guy, hashtag blessed, he's got a great green Ferrari. All right. Or maybe it's that perfect family photo with the rainbow in the background. Hashtag blessed. Or you've got your ATV in front of your country home. Hashtag blessed. Or maybe you just won the championship belt and you post on Instagram, hashtag blessed. Or maybe, you know, it was during the pandemic and you wanted to make that sourdough loaf and you made not just one, but four perfect ones. Hashtag blessed. This language of blessing ends up all over the place. You can go on Amazon and buy blessed protein powder. And your family can then look like this on Saturday morning. <laughs> so we have these various images of what it means to look like hashtag blessed. I mean, it seems to me like we could actually replace hashtag blessed there with hashtag bragging. Because in contrast to the images that we have just seen, and the ways that blessing and hashtag blessed are used in our contemporary culture, our scripture reading today was initially addressed to people very much not feeling hashtag blessed. It was addressed to the poor, the downtrodden, and to those on the margins of society. Let us listen now to the word of God from Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12. These verses that we know as the Beatitudes. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is Jesus giving this part of the, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is offering these beatitudes to talk about what it means to be blessed. And we can't do this in 2023 in the United States without asking the question, what is a beatitude? Well, let me give you a little history. A beatitude was a common literary form in ancient Greek writings. Aristotle, Plato, Epicurus, they all used this form. Beatitudes were commonly used to praise someone for their earthly goods or values. Parents were extolled for their fine children. The bridegroom was praised for winning an excellent bride. The bachelor was also lauded for remaining unmarried. The wealthy was praised for their possessions that gave them good position in this life. The righteous person was extolled for inner and outer advantages that were conferred by piety. Each of these sayings drew positive attention to someone's circumstances, as if to say, look how well that person's life is going. Surely they are hashtag blessed. The ancient usage in our contemporary understanding are just not that different. And typically, Beatitudes highlight a situation that's desirable. But Jesus took a different approach. Jesus used a common form, this list of Beatitudes, to challenge one of the great enemies of the gospel, to challenge the idea that it's the winners of the world that have God and God's blessings. The biblical scholar Dale Bruner puts it this way. God helps those who cannot help themselves. These are the need beatitudes, the first four beatitudes that help us engage deeply with God. And as Bruner continues, God also helps those who try to help others. These are the help beatitudes. These are the next three beatitudes that engage us deeply with people. But God does not, in any beatitude, help those who think they can help themselves, which is an often ungodly and antisocial conception. The Beatitudes do not teach us the unbiblical myth that God helps those who help themselves. The Beatitudes are not commands or to-do lists. Instead, the Beatitudes are assertions. They're really, they're statements of fact. In his Beatitudes, Jesus tells his disciples who they are and whose they are before telling them what to do. As Jesus challenges the common perceptions about blessings, he performs two significant and surprising inversions in this passage. 
The first is the recipient of the Beatitudes, who is blessed. Instead of highlighting human lives that are going well, or are successful, or as we might say, hashtag blessed, Jesus moves towards the lowly, the downtrodden, the crowd in front of him. They have nothing. They have achieved nothing. And instead of seeking more influential followers, Jesus blesses those with qualities that few would desire. In present-day terms, this would be something like, blessed are the unemployed, blessed are the fat, blessed are the mentally ill. Jesus is describing blessings for things we don't immediately think of as blessings. Being poor, in mourning, meek, hungry, thirsty, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted, insulted, gossiped about. Jesus is focused on the crowd gathered in front of him, not some idealized or airbrushed version of humanity. Jesus is describing a God who draws near to people, people who need help, simply because they need help. Jesus here is not offering to change anyone's circumstances. Instead, he offers himself. He calls the crowd to him and offers the blessing of his presence. In his book, God of the Oppressed, the late African-American theologian James Cone describes God's preferential option for the poor and vulnerable this way. Cone writes that Jesus' life was a historical demonstration that the God of Israel wills salvation for the weak and the helpless. God hates injustice and will not tolerate the humiliation of the outcasts. Jesus' beatitudes are not rewards or incentives. God's help is not given because anyone meets some set of spiritual preconditions. We simply cannot earn God's favor or God's blessings. Blessings give us something we do not already have, and they offer us something we cannot acquire ourselves. They offer the kingdom of heaven, comfort, inheritance, righteousness, joy, and gladness. So the first surprise we see here in the Beatitudes is who is blessed. It's the social outsiders, not the religious insiders. The message of the Beatitudes is that anyone can be blessed in the kingdom of God. The second surprise is the inversion in who the subject of the Beatitudes is. Who blesses? In ancient or in modern times, the subject of the Beatitudes was also the recipient of the blessing. The bridegroom is blessed for marrying his beautiful wife. But in a dramatic reversal, in Jesus' Beatitudes, the acting subject of the blessing is God. God, and God alone, is the one who bestows blessings. God blesses. God is the gift giver. God is more interested in having us be open, receive, and leave, live into the gifts given to us than in our attempts to offer something in return. We cannot strategize or better position ourselves for God's blessing. Certainly this is not the point of Jesus' Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Jesus is not giving a how-to lesson in how to acquire God's blessings. Instead, what Jesus is saying to that ragtag group of uninfluential people in the crowd listening to him that day 
is that they are blessed. They are the blessed ones. God has blessed them in their downtroddenness, but not because of anything they have done or have achieved. And to state the obvious here, as I look out at you all here at Kairos Church, what I see is, is closer to these images of hashtag bless than it is to the description of the crowd that Jesus was speaking to that day. But friends, the good news of the gospel, as proclaimed in Matthew 5, is that God has already chosen to bless you and that God wants you to experience blessings in abundance. The blessing of Matthew 5, then, is a comfort and a challenge. First, the comfort. If you are here today and you do not feel hashtag blessed, don't worry that you're missing out on Jesus' blessing. God blesses the outcasts, not the privileged. And if you are here and feeling hashtag blessed, you might want to check your motivations for your understanding of where that blessing has come from. Next, I want to tell you the story of Kate Bowler. At age 35, Kate had her dream job as a professor of American religious history at Duke Divinity School. She had just published a book with Oxford University Press called Blessed, which offered the first history of the American health and wealth prosperity gospel. And she and her husband had a young son. Though she had plenty of everyday challenges, a fussy toddler, whiny students, too many emails and the like, you could say that her life was hashtag blessed until she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And suddenly her life felt extraordinary for all the wrong reasons. As she was upstairs in her, in her bedroom suffering from the, the treatments, a neighbor came to her door and when her husband answered, the neighbor said, you know, everything happens for a reason. To which her husband replied, oh really? Can you tell me what that reason is? What is the reason my wife is lying upstairs dying? And so to make a long story short, Kate Bowler did not die. After chemotherapy, her cancer went into remission. And she's continued to write a number of books, starting with Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. So in response to the many people who tried to comfort her and her family with lies and myths and platitudes, Bowler offers an account of her faith in a God whose gifts are not rewards, and an account of ordinary human life that does not cause the suffering that we experience. Bowler did not deserve cancer, and she did not cause it. God was not punishing her with cancer, nor was God giving her cancer to teach her a lesson. Certainly she learned from the experience, but what she learned was about God's presence with her while she was hurting, and about how she was not as special, hashtag blessed, as she thought she was. What she learned about was about being human. What she learned is that God does not ask us to try to hide who we are or to seek to fill our lives with things to mask any deficiencies. Rather, God asks us to humbly approach the throne of grace and receive the blessings that God offers. And that is good enough. And that is the comfort of the Beatitudes. The challenge then, especially for anyone here who's an achiever, 
like Kate Bowler, or like myself, who accumulates academic degrees or professional credentials, or coveted social invitations or increased stock portfolios. The challenge is that Jesus' message in his Beatitudes is that these accomplishments neither make us blessed, nor has God given them to us as blessings. In fact, our obsession with achievement is a threat to our spiritual health. Some of us believe that we deserve anything and everything. Our lives here have been characterized by achievement and by the rewards for those achievements. And yet, many of those rewards have come to us more through social factors rather than our own actions. And that gives us a false view of ourselves and a false understanding of God's actions in the world. Grace is a gift that we do not deserve. The work here is to understand that in the eyes of God, that you, the person, are worth more than anything you can ever achieve. When Pam and I were students at Princeton Seminary together, there was a professor named James Loder. And Loder wrote this in his book. When work and worth are confused, as they are in an achievement-oriented society, achievement becomes addictive because it's trying to solve a problem it was not originally designed to solve. The problem is that the achievement addiction tries to answer the question, who am I? By filling it in with achievements, making our worth dependent on our work and accomplishments. This doesn't mean that the, our achievements are irrelevant, but they are relevant primarily and ultimately only to what God is doing in the world to conform persons to the humanity of Jesus Christ through his spirit. Thus, for Loder, the appropriate theological critique is not designed to take achievement out of life, but to take the obsession out of achievement. Loder's insight is that the, points to the tragedy that achievers cannot love. Because if we seek to gain blessings through achievement that, that can only be received through blessings and through presence, through the presence of God. So how can we come to know, to feel, to believe in our bones that we are blessed by God? Not because of our achievements, but really, truly blessed because of God's gracious love. We are invited then into postures of receiving rather than of achieving. And we can receive God's grace and God's presence through spiritual practices such as silence, stillness, solitude. We can break the cycle of us trying to, to fill all those gaps and instead listen and hear what God wants to say to us. We can receive from God through individual spiritual direction when we meet with a spiritual director to discern what God is saying, how what God is saying can shape our understanding of ourselves, and then how we can act out of that identity in Jesus Christ to serve the world. And we can receive the blessings that God has to offer to us by focusing outside of ourselves and by being in proximity to those who are blessed in the Beatitudes. Let's continue now to read the, the remaining verses 
uh, in Matthew 5 for today. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt does not exist for itself. And as Christians, we don't exist for ourselves. You know salt, it doesn't try to be salty, it just is salty. Light does not try to shine. It's what makes it light by its shining. These characteristics are inherent to their identity. Salt that's even a centimeter away from food is of no use. For salt to be useful, it has to be mixed in with the food to preserve it, to give it taste. The call that Jesus is presenting here, following the Beatitudes, is this call to be proximate, to be near, to get proximate to suffering, and to understand the nuanced experiences of those who suffer and experience inequality. We've got a short video now for us to watch from Brian Stevenson, who's the director of the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama, and was the author of the book Just Mercy. You may have also seen the movie. So after um, that part of the video, Stevenson goes on to tell a story about his grandmother and how when he would see his grandmother, she would give him such big hugs and she, she would squeeze him so hard that it hurt. And then moments later, his grandmother would ask him if he could still feel her hug. And if he said no, then she would smother him in another hug. So Stevenson learned quite quickly that whenever he saw his grandmother, that the first thing he would say to her is that he could still feel her hugging him. And then towards the end of his grandmother's life, Stevenson went to see her. 
And as she lay there dying, she asked him, Do you still feel me hugging you? I will always be hugging you. These hugs communicated to Brian Stevenson who he was and whose he was, his family identity, a place of safety and love. He received the blessing of being loved unconditionally. He came to know to whom he belongs. And from that certainty, Stevenson has founded the Equal Justice Initiative, which is committed to ending mass incarceration and excessive punishment, challenging racial and economic injustice, and protecting basic human rights for the most vulnerable people in American society. We are blessed to be a blessing. And these blessings are not about us. Instead, they're about God and God's work in the world. God is a God of blessings. By virtue of God's choosing to be in relationship with every one of us, God blesses us. And with, with this gift comes a task. The task for us to be present with others. We can do this by starting small, in receiving God's blessings, and in taking steps to be proximate. But the call of this sermon today is to start, to do something. And as you do so, to know that the presence of Jesus Christ goes before you and is with you. We're called to sit with Jesus, to receive the blessings that God has for us. Because Jesus wants to bless us with his presence. And then Jesus wants to bless others through you with your presence. Will you sit with Jesus? Will you be proximate to the poor and vulnerable? And don't think this is some kind of idealized, it's too big, it's too hard. I'm going to leave you and close the sermon today as we head into communion with Kate Bowler's blessing for a joyfully mediocre journey. Blessed are you who realize that there is simply not enough time, money, or resources. Blessed are you who are tired of pretending that raw effort is the secret to perfection. It's not, and you know that now. Blessed are you who need a gentle reminder that even now, even today, God is here. And somehow, that is good enough. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you today with our good enough selves. As we have confessed our sin before you, you know us better than we admit to know ourselves. And you bless us. As we gather today at this, your table, may you nourish us with your food. May you nourish us so that we may receive your blessings. That we may know that our identity comes from you and not from what we do. That we may have, we may have confidence in who you are. And that we may seek to encounter you as we serve others. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray.